Well, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and I'm Ed Stetzer, and I'm coming to you from the uh, Chicagoland area. I serve at the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center at the Executive Director here, and most importantly for our conversations, I have the privilege of being your host at Ed Stetzer Live. I don't know who else they'd get as a host at a show named Ed Stetzer Live. I guess you know that's kind of self-evident. But so glad to be here. Uh, you know, you may have noticed that the times are changing. We had our first snow yesterday, and well, it wasn't much of a snow. There was a flake or two, but in the Chicagoland area. But more importantly, um, the holidays are in the air, and that's going to be part of our discussion today. The holidays are in the air. Now, of course, I assume you have not put up your Christmas tree and you have not started playing Christmas music because that would be an inappropriate decision at any point until the day after Thanksgiving. That's the day you may do those things. It's in the Bible, Second Opinions, chapter 4, verse 11. So at that point, you can begin to uh, celebrate. For those of you who celebrate in different festive ways, but um, but I don't know about you, but the, the holiday for me begins to create a, uh, I don't know, I've got, I've got a lot to do. I'm trying to, I got to finish a book that I'm now three years late on. Uh, and now the parties and the activities, which I should be enjoying, start to layer on top of one another. And so today's guest is largely going to be, she doesn't know yet, a counseling session for me. And uh, and, and I hope that as you're listening to this counseling session for me, that uh, that you will take the counsel in your own life as well. No, I'm just kidding. But let me just tell you a little bit about our guest today. And then we all will have some conversation about what, well, what she's talking about that's going to help help Ed and maybe help you as well. So I'm, I've actually texted my wife. She's going to be listening to the show as well. So this is going to be, you know, I'm going to be held accountable to all that is mentioned here. So I feel a lot of pressure today, which is not what I needed. It was more pressure. Anyway, moving on, focusing. Um, the book we're going to talk about is A Spacious Life. The author is Ashley Hayes. Ashley Hayes holds a PhD. Dr. Hayes holds a PhD in English from the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. She's a, a writer, speaker, hosts the Finding Holy podcast. She's married to a pastor and to a mother, and she's a mother of four. She's the author of Finding Holy in the Suburbs, which is super fun, and uh, and A Spacious Life, two books that I think you'll find come up and are helpful in our conversation. Ashley, thank you because it sounds like you've got plenty to do too. So you know, maybe maybe you're a, you're just as busy a person as the rest of us. But thanks for taking the time to talk with us about a spacious oh, life. Oh, you are so welcome. And yes, life is still very full. Oh, I imagine. I imagine so. Uh, four wonderful children. That's that's a blessing. Married to a pastor and more. Um, and you, let's let's just jump in and start talking about what yeah. do you mean by living a spacious life? Is that the number of, of square meters or feet in your home? Is that you know, how big your car is? Uh, how did you settle on that image as one for the Christian life? You know, I really just love um, Psalm eighteen nineteen, where the psalmist says, "He brought me out into a spacious place. He rescued me." because he delighted in me. And I think we're all looking for this spacious place. We're looking for a place that feels beautiful and vibrant, that feels like there's some energy and movement, and it feels like a place of rest and contentment. And I think most of us, though, we tend to look to our outside circumstances as the thing that we hope will provide us a spacious life. So when the kids leave the house, when we get the promotion, when we go on a vacation, then we'll be experiencing a spacious life. But I've found it's actually within our limits that as we embrace them, as we walk through them with God, that we can actually experience a sense of spaciousness right in the middle of our busy, normal lives. Okay, so let's talk about that because I mean that's when you hear spacious. May, maybe in my mind that becomes a synonym with margin, and right. I mean margin's part certainly part of it. But um, but what does that? I mean, if I'm walking and living a spacious life, am I not 
busy? Am I am I basically waking up every morning and walking out on the beach and you know getting <laughs> under an umbrella? I mean, I got a lot of space there. That's good headspace. Right, so right, what is, right. What does that? What does it look like to live that? Yeah, you know, I think living a spacious life is less to do with what we do and where we are, and more about who we are becoming in Christ. Okay. And so, I think when Paul is talking about, you know, he's learned the secret of being content in want and in plenty. That is what I mean when I'm talking about a spacious life. And it's something that we can access in the midst of very full calendar schedules. Um, but it might actually ask us questions about, you know, given given the reality of our, our lives in the world, can we actually slow down? What are our invitations to embrace our limits, whether they're invitations to wait or invitations to delight in God and other people, invitations to pay attention, maybe even an invitation to set aside social media might be kind of practical ways in which we begin to realign our priorities with the priorities and guardrails that God offers to us. Makes sense. Okay. So um, the timing of the book is interesting. You, the book came out September 14th, 2021. Mm-hmm. It's available now at, at mm-hmm. uh, wherever people buy books, they can get this. Um, so you overlap some in the writing with the, uh, with the pandemic, with the shutdown yep. and more. So, uh, so how, and first of all, congratulations for getting a book out because some books have I been know. pushed back because of uh, what a paper shortage is. It's crazy. It's crazy. Right. Um, but it was so still late. Where, it was where, still late. It was still late. I wasn't, I figured, <laughs> yeah. I figured it would be. Yeah. Oh, it's cra- I mean, I literally, I, I've, I've got a book, you're with IVP. I've got a book with IVP that is three years yeah. late in turning in. So don't, don't, don't tell them that we're talking about this. Okay. Because they'd be like, I why won't. are you not writing this book? No, they're very nice. <laughs> they don't yell at me all the time. I yell at myself all the time. We're going to talk about that right. later. Um, okay. So. So what did, how did the pandemic fit into this? Because as you, I'm assuming mm-hmm. you get into March, April of last year and boy, you got lots of space and you know, it's going <laughs> right, to find right. space as well. Yeah, no, actually, well, we had all of our four, our four children home homeschooling. Um, so that was not very spacious. Um, but you know, what was interesting about our personal lives is, you know, in um, summer of 2020, my husband actually named a limit. He named the limit of church planting. He'd been at it for five years. And with the pandemic and how things had shifted and changed, we realized we couldn't simply like replant. We just did not have the felt like the call or energy to kind of keep going at that same pace. Because in some ways in the work of ministry, and I'm sure lots of Christian leaders will understand that you can just get so involved in doing for God that you've kind of neglected being with God to the same extent. And so we named a limit and he stepped away from his church planting position and we were forced to kind of wait on God in an unintended sabbatical. Um, and I still wrote a book, um, but that looked, you know, that looked like, <laughs> I think, you know, during the pandemic, we all realized in different ways, the human frailty that we have. We realized that we all have limits and a lot of us dealt with those limits in very unhealthy ways. <laughs> um, and, and yet the invitation from God is that our limits, his good God-given limits, that we get to be a creature, that we're finite, that we don't know everything, are actually an invitation for us to hide our limitless, our limitedness in his unlimitedness. Um, and that's something that we really learned through the pandemic. Yeah. Let me, let me read actually the tweet where you announce this. Um, it says, some personal news, my husband, and you, you tag him, uh, resigned mm. from our church plant. We, lo- we love our church, but we realize that essentially we are restarting if anything normal happened again. We can't do this as a family. It's unsustainable mm-hmm. to keep running at this pace. Such a key phrase. But then you go on to say, uh, said a tweet later, so pray for your pastors. Please know the mm-hmm. crucible of vocational ministry is particularly challenging, especially now. 
and yet is rewarding and beautiful and goes goes on from there. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. I, and I do think a lot of people, you know, this our show is not, you know, primarily geared, geared towards pastors right. and leaders, but right. I think a lot of people are in roles uh, that they have just said, I feel this is, to use your term, unsustainable. Yet somehow what they do is they buckle down. They right. they they you know they they say we're going to press through. They put their you know nose to the grindstone and our shoulder to the wheel, and they and they do it anyway. Which I guess is a story of a lot of our lives. So it's it's doable. I mean, you know, we we look at our grandparents in, in wartime and more, and they mm-hmm. did that. But what's sustainable, and how do we know how to get to sustainable? How do, how do we know we're not focusing on something that's just called not working hard? This is right. The kind of person, the, I'm the kind of person who asks that kind of questions, you know. So, which tells you something about me. So, talk to us about sustainability, pace. Mm. Um, are we weaker or just more aware of our frailty than our grandparents were? Tell us about mm-hmm. some of those things. Yeah, you know, I think when we think about you know earlier generations and the the way in which they persisted and were faithful. You know, it's just a great reminder that the call for all of us Christians is faithfulness. It's to be steadfast and to hold on. And sometimes when you feel like you can't hold on, to simply be held by Christ. And and so that is the posture, whether we're, you know, just doing the, the next thing that we need to do and we stay in it even when it's hard, or if sometimes we're called away. And I think sometimes there is the idea that, the Christian life looks like success. It looks like it should always be moving up and to the right. And if we are committed to God, he's going to give us these great shiny circumstances. And so I think it's just really important to remember that whether God asks you to step back or, you know, stick your nose, you know, into the work even further, um, that our call is to be faithful, not nece- and that's what success looks like. And so practically, how do we do that? And a lot of it looks like, you know, looking at the life of Christ, he was 100% God and 100% human, which means he embraced our human frailty. It means he had limits. And we see Jesus all the time going off to pray. Um, we see him napping in the Bible. We see him healing. He didn't heal every single person in Galilee, just a select few. He didn't have everyone following him, just a select few. And I think it's important to remember our job is not to be God, to be all things, all the time, to all people, um, but to simply kind of do the next thing that he's calling us to. It's a it's a moment-by-moment moment walk of faith. And so things like practicing Sabbath and sleeping and paying attention to people and delighting in God and his word are just some real daily habits that we can begin to, to practice to kind of thicken our discipleship. Fascinating and helpful conversation as well. We're talking to Ashley Hales. We're going to be giving away a few copies of her book, A Spacious Life, not just randomly, but to amazing callers with amazing comments and questions. So let me invite you to join the conversation. 877-548-3675. You can step in on my counseling session because I'm going to ask some questions about how to do this. Maybe you've got questions or examples of how you've sought to walk in this kind of, well, spacious life, a, a more healthy pace and rhythm. 877-548-3675. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at moodypublishers.com.
Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer Live, uh, having a conversation about, well, about finding this pace and space around particularly uh, this new book called A Spacious Life. I was in such a hurry. I, I My uh, inc- incredible producer, Karen Hendren, came on and said, make sure you pronounce her name correctly. But I rushed and I dropped the L. So it's Ashley Hales, not Ashley Hayes. See, this is what happens when you don't have a spacious life. So I'm going to have a little more space in there. So Ashley, you, you may not know this, but I've actually used and given away your book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs. Found it super helpful. Oh, thank you. Uh, particularly, and you know, the church planning connection. I've written a few things on church planning yeah. over the yeah. years. And um, so I, I use that for some church planners who needed to learn to love the suburb that God sent them to. So <laughs> yeah. good to meet, meet you online and yes, uh, have some of these you. conversations via radio. Oh, glad, glad to do it. So A Spacious Life is the, is the name of the book and um, what did you find problematic in church and in culture which kind of led you to write this book give us some pre uh, give us some some pre-understanding and then going to give us the details of what we need to do to fix it sure you know I think a lot of good books start in anger <laughs> so um, this this book in some ways started with my frustration wo- both with my own limits um, primarily we have four kids they came pretty quickly one after one another and I, and especially those early mothering years, just felt the limits of my time, my body, everything. Um, And, you know, 15 or so years later now, I think I am realizing that, as Wendell Berry says, we live the given life and not the planned. And I think so much of that fighting, of, of that frustration with my limits, that anger really came out. And yet now, like more than a decade later, I'm able to see that actually I was becoming who I was supposed to become in Jesus as I Mm -hmm. actually acknowledged those limits. But there's another portion of anger um, in that there's so much, particularly in the Western church, particularly in the American church, um, we're fed so many books that talk about, you know, the point of life is to be all about you and you are in charge of your life. And it's all about you and your story and pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and they sell so well, and it's so frustrating because this is not the story of the gospel. We Jesus is not a cherry garnish on top of our upwardly mobile life, um, but actually, it's as we embrace that pattern of Christ's life that our lives too will go from death to resurrection, um, that we'll really actually begin to live a thicker Christian life. And so, what you know, what Thick- is that thicker? Yeah, because I think yeah. COVID nineteen has really just shown us. Our discipleship systems and our, our just personal discipleship was really thin. You know, when yeah. when suffering hit, a lot of us just didn't know where to turn. We didn't have a a you know a storied past of of walking with Jesus personally or corporately. And you know, I think I think you know as we think about how we move forward, um, not just simply like what's problematic. You know, I think we firstly have to at least name our limits, that we are humans. Um, I think, you know, the lie of the garden is that you'll be like God. And sometimes when we try to bypass our limits, we work too long, we always have screens on, we're always hustling, you know, we keep cramming more into our calendars, we think that this will lead us to a meaningful life. But we have to name our limits, and we have to trust that God will use not only us, but the whole body of Christ to accomplish his purposes. 
Mm-hmm. Except, you know, you're, you guys have been on a church planning journey. Um, mm-hmm. the, the type of personality that attracts church planters <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. is not the same kind of personality that you're talking about here. Um, and no. I got a lot of experience, you know, having planted multiple and worked with yeah. thousands. Yeah. Um, so you've got to have a certain entrepreneurial right. bent to you, a self-starter, and then mm-hmm. people are shocked and offended that maybe you don't, you know, you're not a contemplative person. So, <laughs> right. so how do you take, you know, very busy people, very driven right. people. We got to yeah. change the world. We got to plan a church. Yep. How do people like that? Not, not, not everyone's like that. You know, Don married to Donna who just is, she lives a spacious life. She's just takes time just for the word, takes time yep. for the people. She's just, and this, she's the most amazing godly person I know. So, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not. So, so <laughs> how do you take people who have that kind of personality yeah. and help them kind of find, because you do address that in the, in the book. I think that's a key yes. part of it. Yes. And, you know, I think both my husband and I are like that. And I think we, yeah, we like to do stuff and he especially has endless energy. And, you know, I think the, the point isn't necessarily how much we do, because I think we all have different kind of natural capacities, but I think the point is to what extent are we kind of equating our work and our hustle and our hurry with our worth? And so there's, there's gotta be a way in which we can kind of unhook that linchpin between what we do, what we're accomplishing, and how we identify. And so I think for us, that's happened a lot in failure. <laughs> you know, it's by disappointing people. It's it's in realizing that we have used people for ends rather than, you know, seeing the image of God more fully realized in them. Um, it's through a lot of failure and repentance, I think, that we have realized I cannot do more for God if I'm actually not knowing God. And so, you know, things like practicing silence, um, focusing on reading the word as the start to the day instead of the email or the to-do list. Um, And then also like becoming more of a differentiated leader so that the outcome doesn't necessarily say something about your personhood. Your personhood is hidden Christ. Mm. And that's a key thing because um, one of the things in, and again, we're going to get out of the church planning conversation because that's not relating to a lot of people, but it, it does relate in the sense that successful ministry is kind of a key thing to, oh, I, I found peace. I, I, I can rest yeah. because once I get five more or 50 more or 500 more, but that's also true if you're working in a business, if you're running right. an online you know, resource, if whatever you're doing, there's always a sense that just a little more, just we yeah. try a little harder, work a little, don't, don't, don't rest. Uh, you'll rest when you get there, you know, but you know, you'll rest when you die or you rest when you get to success <laughs> right. for that matter. So, so that, that's, seems to be a much more widely held view. Um, now yeah. you talk a, a lot in the book about limits. Uh, which kind of at first glance, I mean, seems almost contradictory, the idea of living a spacious life. But how do limits contribute to our flourishing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think um, there's, I love this, there's a little bit in C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle where the, you know, Pevensey children are getting, they're getting forced up against the kind of outpost of the false god Tash. And Tyrion, who's the king of the time, he says, he talks about, you know, everyone's afraid and scared and they think they're going to enter this this gross thing and Tash is going to be there. And Tyrion says that the stable, he says, seen from within and the stable seen from without are two different places. Because when they get into the stable, it's actually Aslan's country. And Lord Diggory says it's, it's inside is bigger than it's outside. And mm. I think... And then, of course, Lucy makes the connection to Jesus and, you know, a stable once held something inside it that was bigger than the whole world. Of course, we hear that quote probably lots around Christmas time. But 
I love that idea that, you know, we can look at something from the outside. It looks scary. It looks really like ramshackle. And I think our limits are like that. When we're standing on the other side with a full calendar, with all of these things, you know, social media followers or whatever number in a bank or on a scale or our children's behavior that we're looking to for satisfaction, that stable can look pretty homely. And yet when we enter into our limits, when we actually say, you know, I am finite, I am a creature, I need rest, I need to practice waiting on God, I need to be enfolded into the Christian community in my local church, I need to go through my limits with Jesus, even through suffering and pain and loss, we'll find that like that, that actually our limits from the inside are bigger than what it looks like from the outside. So I think it's just, it's one of those paradoxes of the Christian faith that if we actually follow what God says, you know, here's what it looks like to live under the loving rule and reign of God, then we'll actually experience that sort of flourishing. Interestingly, mm-hmm. you, you also get, you know, I mean, the very beginning of the Bible, right? It's when Eve takes the the fruit, we talk about sin, right, as a transgression, which if you like etymologically, that idea of transgression means to go beyond, right? She's gone beyond God's loving limits. Limits are good. They're built into creation. And it's her transgression, her sin, her going beyond those limits that really has set us up on the path we're at. <laughs> wow. Wow. So good. So good. Again, we're really talking to Ashley Hales. Uh, I want to invite you into the conversation because I'm guessing that I'm not the only one who has struggled with finding the right pace, finding that spacious life. Um, uh, maybe you've got questions about how best to do that. Maybe you've got questions about, or maybe suggestions of how you try to live that as well. Also, we're giving away some copies of Ashley Hale's book, A Spacious Life. Ashley, oh, let me give you the number, 877-548-3675. Again, 877-548-3675. To remind you, Ashley holds a PhD in English from the University of Edinburgh, Scotland. She's a writer, speaker, um, and hosts the Finding Holy podcast. She's also written Finding Holy in the Suburbs, a book I've used and shared with lots of folks. And her new book out in September is A Spacious Life. Again, our number, 877-548-3675. One more time, 877-548-3675. Okay, so one of the things that um, I, I think I've seen is that even in Donna's life, and sometimes when I live this out in my life, it's not not that I'm completely free of living this out. It's mm-hmm. a struggle. Um, but there seem to be implications on living what you call a spacious life have on the surrounding community and culture as well when Christians are living in that way, maybe differently than the world. How about unpacking that a little bit for us? Yeah. You know, I think when I talk about a spacious life, I think we can also just really kind of go to us and Jesus. Like, what does that look like? And it's kind of this vertical relationship with God. But, you know, the book is is actually as much about loving our neighbor as loving God. And so we can tend to think of a spacious life as this kind of individualized relationship. Um, And we can tend to also think, oh, great. That means I can say like no to everything that doesn't feel like flourishing, right? That's what it means to embrace my limits. Um, But really, if the church is to be a contrast community, you know, that means that the limits God is inviting me to aren't just for me. They have to be good for my neighbor too. And so we are to be like Abraham in Genesis 12, a blessing to the nations. So that means as I am welcomed into God's family, it's not simply about my own growth, but all of us together forming the bride of Christ and being a public witness out in our neighborhoods and our churches and our communities. Um, And so, you know, really what this looks like is 
often surprised like when your kids might not participate in Sunday soccer games um, or, you know, you, <clears throat> you might be inviting neighbors over and we recently moved to Colorado and our actual next door neighbor said, this is the first time, you know, they'd live next door to this, to the, to our house for six years. And we were the first people to actually invite them in to this home. And, you know, it's those small little things that as we have margin in our schedule, we have margin in our hearts to actually reach out. And so it reminds us that freedom isn't simply freedom from, but it's also freedom for, and that can help give freedom to other people too. So good. So good. We're going to, we're getting some calls coming in. So uh, we'll take a quick pause and then we'll take some calls as well. Let me remind people that the probably the second half of the show will be phone calls with uh, Dr. Ashley Hales. She's our number is 877-548-3675. Let me also remind you that you can find links to the resources we mentioned, the Finding Holy podcast, her book, Finding Holy in the Suburbs, and the one we're talking about today, A Spacious Life, are all at edstetzerlive.com. So I want to encourage you to take a look there as well. That's edstetzerlive.com. And again, so we've got uh, a couple more lines that are available, 877-548-3675. Because one of the things I want us to kind of kind of walk through and walk into is what does this look like lived out in my life and yeah. your life as well? So we're going to continue that conversation in just a moment. Uh, let me also thank my team that makes all this happen. My producer, Karen Hendren, who uh, just a few minutes ago I mentioned. My engineer today is Amy Rios, doing a great job. Eric Tidwell's man in the phones as well right now that you're calling in. We're getting him a little bit busy. Appreciate that as well. I'll remind you, next week I'll be joined by uh, Gary Chapman, the author of Five Love Languages. We're going to talk about the challenging teen years, how to raise a child through them. We're going to continue our conversation with uh, Ashley Hales and your calls, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back at Stetzer Live. I'm Ben Stetzer, and we're talking to Ashley Hales. She's written a new book called A Spacious Life. I told you earlier that uh, Donna's kind of a role model example for me. She just texted me and said, you're right, great conversation. And she communicates so well what I believe is the key to living in the fullness of love. So you got the thumbs up from the Donna Stetzer in this conversation as well. Um, so Fabulous. that's a good sign. She, she <laughs> that's normally great. Doesn't, text, she normally, doesn't normally text me during the show, but I tell her this is going to be a show she's really going to like. And she's going to afterwards, she's going to say, so what are you going to do about this? So we're going to, yeah. this is going to lead to, this is going to lead to family, com- which is good, which is good. That is okay, good. Okay, well, let's, let's, gra- let's grab some, uh, some phone calls. And I think it's Cherie or Sherry in uh, Minneapolis. You're live on the air. Go ahead with your question or your comment. Hi. About 25 years ago, God showed me the difference between basing one's worth on who you are or what you do. Now I'm a memory care director, and I've observed the following. If you primarily set your worth from what you do, then when you become elderly, limited, or disabled, Mm. or have a stroke or something like that, you lose your, quote, worth. I've seen people get very depressed Mm. because they lose their worth and sense of purpose. However, if you get your significance from who you are, especially who you are in Christ, that is limitless and it brings peace. So no matter what your physical or mental state, if you have that, you can have peace. Even mm. in um, very debilitated people in end-stage dementia, they can have that peace. 
Mm. Wow. Wow. What a great call, Sherry. Thank you so much. I want you to stay on the line because we want to give you a copy of Ashley's book, A Spacious Life. So Karen's going to jump on the line with you. And so a lot of that is, I mean, finding your identity in something more, your worth somewhere else. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, I, I've been so blessed. There's been a few readers of A Spacious Life who have reached out to me who are in those, you know, horrible diagnoses or suffering or disability. And they have expressed, you know, like in the Gospels, I believe and yet help my unbelief. And I think mm-hmm. holding those two things in tension, especially when we're walking through pain and suffering, is really hard to do. Um, and yet, I think exactly like Sherry was saying, when we get to the end of life, whether that's in 40 years or a lot sooner than we anticipated, if we are following these rhythms, if we are embracing the limits that Jesus himself has embraced, we'll begin to experience some of that peace and contentment that isn't contingent on our circumstances. And I think really that's what all of us long for. Yeah, for sure. Powerful, powerful. Sherry, thank you so much for your call. That was super helpful. Mm -hmm. Let's go from Minnesota over to Muskegon, Michigan, to Sheila. Sheila, you're lured live on the air. Go ahead with your question or your comment. In the introduction, Dr. Hayes, um, you said something or something was said about the word sleep. And I was thinking, well, I had four children and I had a lot of trouble getting sleep during those years and I'm 73 years old now and I'm still having difficulties with sleep and I'm really curious what you have mm. to say in your book. Yeah. Good, good question. So hold, hold on the line, Sheila. We're going to get a copy of the book. Uh, like I said, my producer Karen's going to come on and give you a copy of A Spacious Life. Dr. Hales, tell me, what do you think about that? Yeah. You know, I think a lot of times we lack sleep because of, yes, infants waking you up or just so many different things going on in our bodies that we can't sleep well. But I think a lot of times we don't sleep well because we're overwhelmed with anxiety or fear um, and we're not actually practicing good sleeping rhythms. And so some of that looks like maybe even having an evening bedtime routine or winding down so your screens are on, you're having a cup of tea, you're reading the Bible, or you're having a good conversation with a friend or a spouse, Um, you know, that we begin to kind of root ourselves back in the story of God instead of this kind of story of endless productivity. Um, But when I look at the book, in the book, I really talk about the fact that Jesus sleeps, right? He sleeps through a storm. And it's fascinating because he, you know, as the disciples are like, help, help, we're dying. What don't you care about us? You know, he, he sleeps and really it, it's a beautiful picture of his identity being hid so in his father that the kind of swirling chaotic circumstances aren't something that overwhelm him. And so often I think we are reactive to the circumstances in our lives. And of course that affects our sleep instead of being responsive to what the Spirit of God is doing in our own hearts and lives and the lives of our neighbors as well. But I hope you sleep. Love it. Yeah, no, that's a good word. And you know, four kids, that's, uh, and depending on their ages, that, that, that can be a challenging time. But she's also, you know, she's gone through that phase, and so it's still right. a challenge. And Don and I were just texting this morning, texting, are we texting or are we talking? Yeah, we were texting and um, talking about naps. So, so I, love, I love that as uh, Right, as and well. naps, those are great. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's go to Don, uh, I guess it's Dan listening to WHEN down there in Florida. Dan, you're live on the air. What's your question? Or your comment? Hi, uh, I uh, tend to be a friend to a lot of pastors, 
And so many of them go through burnout. And I know how it is because I've gone through burnout, but I've found a way that works for me. How would you advise any recommendations to pastors? Because they don't seem to want to slow down. <laughs> I know that yeah. intimately, <laughs> uh, being married <laughs> yes, to yeah, a yeah, pastor. For, for sure, for sure. Yes. So Dan, um, let me let me answer Dan though. Yeah. Stay in the line, Dan. We're going to give you a copy of of the book. Um, it's a spacious life as well. But if I could, even Dr. Hales, in your answer, yes, please talk do. about pastors, but talk about people in general too, because that's most of our audience. But definitely, let's address yeah. the pastor question. But also, just those kinds of people. Yeah, you know, I think it's just so important for pastors to have a Sabbath, and I know Sunday's a work day, so it's hard to make that. Um, a regular Sabbath practice. But I th- so I think for those who are listening that are pastors, that might look a little bit different. Um, but, you know, a Sabbath practice for all of us, I think we've really got out of that habit as saying that this day matters. And what's so beautiful about a practice of, of Sabbath, right, is it comes from the Exodus and God says like, I am your God and you are my people and I've brought you out of slavery and I'm going to give you rest. Like they had been working for 400 years and, you know, to actually say, you don't have to work, you can rest is such a beautiful picture of the care of our God. And I think we just don't take him up on it most of the time because we kind of think the world revolves around us and our work. And especially when you are working for God in a kind of vocational category, uh, it can be so easy to feel like we have to always keep acting. Um, And so there's got to be ways that we can practically kind of hide ourselves in God through Sabbath practices that help that day feel distinct. Um, And so maybe for pastors particularly like my husband takes kind of a sabbath from about after church he takes a nap and i guard that time real real well as much as i can and make sure the kids aren't waking him up and you know and then he kind of has up until noon on monday and he does stuff like he works with his hands because then he can see something being accomplished instead of you know when you're working with people you can't always see what's happening um and we also always have dessert as a family at first. Uh, the Hebrew children were woken up with honey on their tongues to remember that the Lord's day is always sweet. And I love that. And so we always make sure we have dessert and things like, you know, lighting a candle at the beginning of the day, at the end of the day to kind of bookend it, to feel like it's set apart um, are things that we can do to help it actually feel like a day of joy, a celebration, and to remember the goodness and care of our God to care for us. Love that. What what great example. Actually, and I follow a similar pattern. After Sunday morning, mm-hmm. I kind mm-hmm. of uh, I, I go I go in late on Monday morning. That twenty four hours becomes mm-hmm. a, a time. Usually, usually mm-hmm. you know, usually the preaching doesn't go into the afternoon. So that's what a what a great example. We're listening to uh, to, to Ashley Hales. Her book is a spacious life. We're going to give one more call for calls, and want to invite you. We got one more segment left. Eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. Ashley, as you see, we have the best callers of any program. And, Such good uh, questions. It is. I mean, I know it's a good questions, examples. I mean, and people mm-hmm. are ready to go. Again, it's eight seven seven five four eight three six seven five. So I'm going to invite you to engage and join in the conversation with us. And we're going to continue that conversation in, in just, a, just a, a few minutes. And again, the phone number for you to call in, last chance to do so, 
3675. And, and maybe, you know, you listen to this program, you're like, you know, there's something someone else needs to hear, right? So um, that's what my wife will see. Donna will sit down and say, well, let's talk about this afterwards. Well, you can actually send them to edstetzerlive.com. Just a few minutes after this program's over, you'll find it's there. You can listen there. It's also available to subscribe by a podcast all at edstetzerlive.com. Last chance for your calls, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Ed Stetzer Live. We've got one more segment with our guest having a really helpful conversation for me, and I bet for a lot of you as well. Ashley Hales is an author. Uh, she actually hosts a podcast as well, the Finding Holy podcast. The book that I knew her best for was Finding Holy in the Suburbs because I bought it and shared it with others. Her new book is already making a difference in many lives. It's called A Spacious Life, so I want to encourage you to pick that up as well. We've given away a few copies of that in our conversation also. Uh, you said that small things, the not-so-flashy things, are valuable and effective. Can you explain that, and how did Jesus demonstrate that? Mm-hmm. You know, I think what's so beautiful about how Jesus taught people, he taught with the ordinary stuff right around him. And so we get things like kernels of wheat, right, that he uses to talk about how a seed has to be broken open and die or, you know, a pearl that is valuable, the pearl of great price. And there's things like nets and and even bread and wine, right, that becomes our sacrament. And so often I think we can tend to think about our stuff in the same ways that we think about our calendars where we just want to like cram more stuff in our lives and cram more events in our calendars and that will give us this meaningful life and yet what's so beautiful about not only the the things that jesus uses but you know the in his parables but also as at the very end right when he is betrayed by judas he washes judas's feet right with the bowl and the basin and the water and the towel. And, you know, as I was reflecting about some of those things, I think it just really hit me that our everyday things too can be things that we use to mark redemption. They can, um, they can show us the grace of God. And so I think it's so we kind of treat our stuff and we treat people kind of as disposable. And yet I think as we practice some of these rhythms, we'll be able to even look at our stuff and and to be reminded of God's story of redemption in our lives, whether that's, of course, you know, that we we celebrate as we take communion, um, but that even just normal everyday things, things like Christmas ornaments can be kind of Ebenezer's. They can be a faithful presence to the work of God in our lives. Yeah, Ebenezer's. You can't just say Ebenezer's in today's culture without a little explanation <laughs> right, of right, that right, that's right, not right. somebody from a movie. So explain what an Ebenezer is. <laughs> yeah, you know, they are memorial stones, right? The people of God would stack up and say, you know, as they the Red Sea was opened and they crossed the Red Sea, they had stones. And so that you could look back and go, what, you know, did, did God really do that? I, I'm not sure. I, I, you know, I've heard that story, but uh, it sounds a little bit far-fetched. Um, you know, that they became a physical monument to God's redemption that they could look back and see and tell their children and their grandchildren about God's redemption and that they too were part of God's redemptive story. And I think, you know, we don't do that. We don't like, like the idea of ritual or, you know, even having something very historical or long lived feels really very foreign to us probably as Americans. But I think it's important to kind of stack those stones in our own lives to say, this is how God has moved and this is how God is good. And this is how God has come through. And this is how God has been faithful. And I'm going to tell you that story. 
So good, so good. Just didn't want people to get confused with a certain Scrooge right, character right. whose, name, yeah, yeah, that's whose good. name has ruined the name Ebenezer for so I know. many, many yeah. people. Thank I know, you. It's such a great story in the scriptures as well. But let's it go to is. Judy in Waynesboro. Judy, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Well, I am a, a grandma, and I just got an email from um, my goddaughter who said, life is so hard. And she has two kids. My daughter has one child. And, you know, I'm just looking at working parents, both parents working, um, trying to make ends meet, you know, with COVID. How do you help young families like this um, create space, have a spacious life? I'm looking for ideas as a grandparent, how to help and support. And I just love also, this question, Judy. You know, oh, how sorry, to, go ahead. How, go to ahead, give, how to give them ideas or what ideas mm. can they put in place in their life um, to kind of make life work easier? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I want you to hold. I want you to hold on, Judy, for just a second, because I want to make sure that Karen gives you a copy of a spacious life, so you have that. But go ahead and jump in, and let's let's uh, let's hear your thoughts on this, Doctor Hales. You know, I would say if if you're at all able to, um, things like childcare or. Um, a meal delivery service <laughs> or, you know, uh, taking someone's kid to hold them and help them just get a minute of a break, uh, letting them have a bath. I mean, these are like very practical on the ground sorts of things. When my fourth daughter came home from the NICU, um, I had a friend who texted us and she's like, I'm coming over and cleaning your toilets. And we had boys who were potty training. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is <laughs> gross. Um, but it was I mean, maybe it was four kids that finally broke me. And I was like, thank you so much. This is amazing. Um, you know, yeah, paying for a cleaning service. Some of those sorts of things would open up space uh, for young parents particularly, or, you know, they're trying to to juggle so many different things to begin to even imagine what a spacious life might feel like or look like. So I'd say get really practical in some of those very, you know, housekeeping sorts of things that can be really a gift. Um, And then, you know, I would just encourage all of us to begin to practice, you know, prioritizing your sleep, prioritizing Sabbath. Even if you're only, you know, reading two verses of the Bible a day, make that a practice. Um, You know, I also encourage folks to like create a delight list as a way to practice Sabbath and to find out what what might God be inviting you into to kind of experience a spacious life. So what are the things that delight you? For me, I love walking. I love being out in nature. I love art. And so creating spaces in my calendar for those sorts of things I know will help me get my work done. It'll help me feel refreshed and able to parent well. And so even if it's like in a 10 minute chunk, finding those things that delight you, that you can thank God for and move forward in so that you can do all the drudgery, maybe a little bit easier is a great first Mm. start. So good. So good. Listen, we've only got about a couple minutes left. So I want to just kind of, I started talking about Christmas and where it feels like things just are layered on, layered on. So people get real busy as they celebrate Christmas. How does this translate to sell? By the way, let me also mention too, that a spacious life is a great Christmas gift, but how would, (laughs) there you go. How would you say people can walk this and live this in the holiday season? Yeah. You know, I've actually, um, I'm working on a little project actually called a spacious season. So where I am, I'm walking through the lives of this the women in Jesus's genealogy in Matthew to kind of help us like practice some of these sorts of things and 
people can find that out on my website or whatever. But, you know, I think as we think about what does it look like to do this in Christmas, it's important first that maybe we ask ourselves the question of what are our desires and intention around maybe the month of December? Um, and what do I actually, what would a spacious season actually feel like? And maybe it's less to do with all the activities and it's more to do with, you know, I actually want to feel like I'm connected with God <laughs> instead of like rushing around. And so if we can actually name that limit that or desire, then we can put appropriate limits on our time and our calendars and we can easily say no to things or maybe not easily, but a little bit, we'd be a little bit more likely to say, you know, how many events can I actually do that's not going to feel exhausting, you know, and so that we can have the power to say no to things so that we can say yes to the right things. Mm, so good. So good. We've been talking to uh, Ashley Hales. Ashley's given us some good advice and counsel on multiple levels. And I did start off by kind of a little self-confession, self-revelation <laughs> that this is not a strength in my life. Um, it's but hard. You have been I hear you. To me. It is. It is. Take, take where, but we got about 30 seconds left. Just kind of talk to the folks who are unsure that they can take this next step and share with them. Mm, mm. You know, I think the encouragement in the life of Christ, right, who is both fully God and fully man, is that he embraces limits. And and our limits of our time, our attention, our bodies, our calling, our vocations are all invitations to know God. And as we go through even pain and suffering like Jesus did, if we will submit that limit, our lack of our understanding, the lack of our ability to change our circumstances, we will actually be known by God and loved by Him and experience that in a way that will fuel even those hard times. Yeah, such a good word, such a good word. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this on You're a Saturday. You're so welcome. With, with, four, with four kids, and I'm sure keep making it a busy life, but the book has been so helpful, and I know so many people will be blessed by it. So thanks to Ashley Hales for joining us today. The book has been A Spacious Life. She, she also mentioned some of the projects she's working on. The link to her website, easy to find at edstetzerlive.com. You can follow along there. Takes you to the book, the podcast, all those different resources as well. Let me just say thank you to listening this mm-hmm. and every Saturday. We've got Gary Chapman coming up next week. We're excited about that. And we'll talk with him about his, well, his new book, on uh, talking about the five love languages about the challenging teen years. Uh, Gary Chapman's always a fun conversation to have as well. Remember to hear today's program again. Go to edstetzerlive.com or the Moody Radio app. And of course, you know, if you want to follow along, see who's coming up, you can follow us on all the different social media challenges, uh, channels, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all Ed Stetzer Live. And Ed Stetzer Live is a production of Moody Radio, which is itself a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Our, Our hope is that you're encouraged in the midst of some challenging times to walk faithfully and fruitfully in the midst of really what's a cultural storm. But in the midst of that, as we are people who are shaped by the gospel, as we're people who are living in the peace of Christ, we actually stand out in the world. The writer of Philippians, Paul says that like lights, lights, lights in the darkness, lights in the, in the night, that's how we stand out. And one of that is, is the kind of lives we live. So we're happy today to bring you Ashley Hales to talk more about that. Thanks for listening to Ed Stetzer Live. We'll see you next Saturday.